Hello and welcome back to Teach, the podcast about teaching and learning in South Australia. I'm Dale Atkinson from the Department for Education and today we're talking about education in the country with a man who's spent a fair bit of the last 12 months touring our regions to develop our first ever country education strategy. That man's Luke Fraser, the Director of Government Relations and Policy. Welcome to you, Luke. Thanks for having me. Can you explain why it is that we are now looking at doing a country education strategy? I think for us, we've got a bold vision at the moment. We're getting after world class. But we know that depending on the settings and depending on where you are and what's going on, there needs a specific focus. So so we know that even in the country, when we say country, we've got isolated schools, we've got regional hubs. There's a lot of different nuances to what happens in the country. And so what we've decided is that we need a point of view on on, on how to support um, the particular challenges, the particular opportunities that occur in the country when it comes to teaching and, and, and education and care. So we've kind of gotten after that and we want to make sure that we've got a, a particular focus to our strategic direction in the country. One of the major parts of developing this strategy was going out and meeting with the principals, meeting with teachers out in country areas, talking to governing councils and, and other representatives from the regions. And what were they telling you about the pinch points for them specifically as a country or a regional school? I think the interesting thing is all of the perspectives are different. So we, we spent time in the far west, we spent time in, in the sort of mid-north, places like Lower Air Peninsula, regional hubs like Mount Gambier, but also the Riverland, southeast and so forth. And so it's good to take those different perspectives because the regions are different. But when you start to break down the differences in perspectives, students told us a lot about three things continue to resonate every time. And that was the well-being of their peers, um, particularly they're really hot on the career opportunities that they can or can't see. And then the, the subjects that they love to learn, particularly as they're going through SACE and starting to decide about their future. When you talk to leaders, it was you know there was heavy emphasis on workforce challenges and and so forth, and and, and that seemed to resonate through our Aboriginal support staff as well. And, and then parents talked to, to us about kind of different stuff like like ICT enablers and how do they connect with their schools digitally. So the perspectives really matter when you're doing a piece of work like this because they are all different. Yeah, and so the the individual issues at a site level are unique, but there are some sort of key themes that kind of came out through the research work. And it's going to go through the three main goals that you've identified in the strategy, which are um, number one, quality of leadership and expert teaching in every country school and preschool. Number two is better access to digital infrastructure, student support services and business admin systems for country schools and preschools. And number three is access to quality learning and career study and training opportunities for country kids and young people. So we might go through those just um, just one at a time and, and have a look at um, how we're going to address those issues that have been identified out there. So the first one around quality leadership and expert teaching in every country school and preschool, what's going to be the approach in terms of helping to support that out in the regions? One of the first things that we saw as a big opportunity is really strengthening the kind of what we call the sort of pipeline of, of teachers that come into school. So we know that a lot of teachers get their first start in our country regions, but there's a lot of work that can be done to strengthen that. So so we're going to be, as part of this strategy, we're going to be working with the universities in particular to make sure that when teachers are, are in training with the universities, that they're getting to 
to do practicums that are at for the right period of time so that they can immerse themselves in the country will also be reducing barriers. So we know that some of our, our best and brightest teachers that are studying, they might not um, take up practicums in the country because let's say they're working at IGA on the weekends and, and actually it's, it's a cost burden for them to come and do that work for a decent chunk of time. So we're going to be funding a lot of those barriers that exist to make sure that when they're making a decision about coming to the country, it can be one that's based on a good experience and a decent chunk of time out there. And they can make that decision either way. But when they do make a choice, when they're thinking, yep, I think I can come out and work in the country, we've got a secondary program that we're kind of building that's going to be about the transition between when they decide that they're going to teach in their penultimate year in the country and then kind of really making that a smoother transition. So we're going to be looking at things like part-time work that they can do in a country school where they can start to bond to a particular school, making sure that there's onboarding supports for them and, you know, where where are they going to live, all these kinds of things. When they're making the big leap, we want to make that smoother for them. So we'll, we'll invest some time and, and funds and effort into, into that process so that, you know, they're not just kind of lobbing in and, and, and sort of um, landing and, and, it's, and it's a tricky, tricky time for them. Yeah, I mean, the essential thing, I think, that was relayed in this process is that to capture some of these younger people as they go out there at age 20, 21, 22 for their first teaching experience, that really they've got to be part of the community and, and help to form those connections and bonds quite early. That's right, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and you know, if we can make that easier and smoother for them, a lot of our great principals and, and, and great teachers out in their country have kind of found a life out there and they and they just love it. They wouldn't come back to the metro for quids. So so we want to kind of just make that easier so that they can settle their roots uh, in the country and enjoy it. So under the, um, the second aim of the three goals, one of the things we're looking at is better access to student support services. And I know that there's some issues around particularly um, things like psychological support, speech therapy, which may not be particularly well serviced in the regions that we're looking to address as well. Yeah, absolutely. This was one of those things in our work out in the country. It was just loud and clear how much pressure on our teachers when some of those supports for students with needs aren't available or aren't coming quickly enough. And so um, we're alive to that and we heard that call and and so one of the pieces of work we're going to do at the moment, we've just started to recruit at the moment actually some people who are going to be working um, particularly in speech pathology and psychology, which are two of the pain point areas, and doing more telehealth in that area for the country. So we know that just like our teachers, our sort of allied health practitioners, it's a struggle for our allied health people to get good um, people and keep them out in the country as well. But what we think is going to be really helpful is to increase our telehealth, which will help us with reach because we might not always be able to get out there every time to do psychology work with students or so forth. But telehealth is one of those things that's that's better than nothing. And so we're going to be focusing on that to make sure that there is somebody there that can support uh, a particular student and, and support the teacher to support them with whatever needs they have. The other thing that we going to be doing in in the sort of um, what we call the triple S space or the, the student support services space is is investing in uh, and we're just going through it with procurement now um, working with private providers so we might not be able to get our um, psychologists out to a particular region but there might be private providers that can and do work out in those areas so so leveraging the private sector to make sure we've got better reach and better quality in the service that we're providing. Yeah, it's one of the most important and powerful things, I think, particularly out in the regions. That's going to be a bit of a game changer for a lot of the schools. One of the things that COVID-19 has taught us is just how much digital access is 
such an essential service for everything. We've had seven, we've been lucky actually, I think we've had seven statewide remote learning days since the pandemic began. But if anything, that's highlighted the need for quality systems. And there has been over the years a disparity of access to digital infrastructure in the regions. Now, the SWIFT program to connect schools to fast, reliable internet services is is part of the piece of the puzzle, but you've identified something else as well for, for country schools. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we've made brilliant gains in sort of getting high-speed internet to all of our schools now, and, and that's a, a big increase and a big boost for our schools. But then that's not really worth much unless you have good internal infrastructure, cabling, servers, these types of things. And so one of the things that we've noticed and we've started to do work in our ICT team has been going out to, to some of our schools and um, they do what they call a health check. But what that actually means is specialists in ICT infrastructure will go out and look at what's going on in terms of the internal infrastructure and they'll make an assessment and then, and then we basically negotiate and, and fund that infrastructure to be built up to a world-class standard and it's made huge gains already. But what we're doing through the country strategy is accelerating that work. So we've got guys out there at the moment that are doing what we call these health checks. So they'll be out, out to our schools. They've almost been to all of our country schools now, um, just taking a look at what's going on. By the end of this financial year, we're going to have upgrades to all of our internal servers and so forth. And that's going to mean that the speed of our internet, the access that kids get to work digitally and our teachers get to, to work digitally as well is, is just going to be a huge boost for us. So really proud of that work that's happening right now. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of exciting applications that uh, that come out of that. And it, I think that's partially linked the digital access to to the final point, which is around how we broaden curriculum options for the country kids, how we make pathways more available to them. What are some of the steps we're going to be um, looking at there? That's a really important one. And it kind of cuts to the main thing here, which is how do we support the students to, to learn the things that they love to learn. And so one of the things we sort of came across in our in our work, and, and it's happening um, in other jurisdictions as well in country areas, is, is the idea of local curriculum delivery across a given area. We know that the workforce challenges remain and we're looking to solve those. But in the interim, there's really innovative work that's happening in patches around schools working together to make sure that, you know, if a student wants to study um, science in uh, for their SACE, they can access a, a teacher in a, a neighbouring country school um, and they can do that as part of their normal studies at their school. And so that's been um, work that's kind of already starting to happen and has happened in patches and we're, we're doubling down on that and making sure that we're going to work in sort of supporting that. So, so I think the department needs to play a role. So there's kind of you know, there's a lot of support that can be provided to make that happen in terms of coordination of the work. And then sort of some of the more nuanced work around sort of teaching and learning and, and practice. And so we're going to kind of get in and, and sort of support the, the local delivery that occurs in patches and then start to talk about the good practices happening because everyone's kind of doing it differently. Some works, some doesn't work. And so we're going to kind of put a spotlight on that to make sure that the offering across a given area for a particular student is there so that they can study the things that they want to they want to learn, but also do it with teachers that are highly skilled in that area, they're teaching in their own discipline, that they love what they do. It is exciting sort of right across the board really and I guess one of the things that's really important is that, and I'm holding in my hand a, a lovely 
glossy uh, brochure <laughs> setting out what the country education strategy looks like. But this is not going to be sort of a static kind of piece of work, that actually country sp- perspectives are going to be something that is going to be built in more broadly to policy direction and policy development within the department. Can you explain how that's going to work? One of the great things that we've been able to do through as we develop this work is really bring the right voices to the table, be it some of our students we've been working with, the Rural Youth Ambassadors, for example, who have had a, had a lot to say and been really impactful in how we've thought about this, but also some of our country leaders and, and people that are passionate about country education. So I think what we're going to be doing through this is setting up a country education reference group that can support the department. We've got a big reform agenda that we're getting after, so we're, we're doing work in VET, we're doing work in, in improvements to workforce, a lot of different areas where we're going after system level impact and country needs to be at the table in that pursuit of how we do that and because of those nuances and, and differences in how country education operates. So, so we'll be setting up a country education reference group that's going to be talking to our people who are, are leading reform, be it policy or practice, and that'll be a continual voice and I think that's going to be the real game changer as part of this strategy is making sure that we're thinking about when we're designing how we operate, making sure that we're paying attention to the voices that matter in the country too. Yeah, and as part of this, we've created a dedicated country education um, section on the website um, and there'll be some information in the show notes about how to access that, which includes links through to the country education strategy. You can go there and um, find a bit more information about what Luke and his team have been doing over the last um, 12 to 18 months. It's a very exciting space. There's going to be a lot of things rolling out over the next three years. It's a seven-year strategy, though, so there's going to be um, some pretty broad horizon stuff that's uh, that's going to be coming through. So stay tuned over the next few years to see um, the announcements and some of these programs that are going to be rolling out. So, Luke, this is exciting work. Thanks for your time and good luck. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. 